Happy Easter and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Our big idea today is the fog of Easter was removed by the compassionate act of a man named Jesus. We're going to be in Luke chapter 24. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Happy Easter. It's great to see you. My name is Eric, and I'm one of the pastors here at Valley Point, and it's just a real honor and a real privilege to celebrate this day with you. I hope that you are, and you will continue to have a great day. So it's another Easter, and there is something kind of fun and rejuvenating about this particular holiday, isn't there? Kind of ushers in new colors and new clothes and new candy and a new season, and after a long, hard winter, we're ready for a new season, aren't we? And that's Easter. It's just fun. It's new. It's good. It's good except for when it isn't. And when you think about that very first Easter, it didn't necessarily start out as that great of a day. Again, Easter is supposed to be this wonderful, fun, celebratory kind of event. But that very first Easter was kind of rough. And people weren't feeling so good. As a matter of fact, there are words that describe how some of the close followers of Jesus were feeling. And these are words that are taken straight out of Scripture from Luke chapter 24. And we're going to unpack that paragraph in just a moment. But this is how people were actually feeling on that first Easter. And not just any people, but the people who are closest to Jesus. And so they're not feeling that great. As a matter of fact, here are the words. They were puzzled, terrified, unsure, sad, and skeptical. And again, this is taken straight out of Scripture. This is actually how they were feeling. These were their emotions. They were puzzled, terrified, unsure, sad, and skeptical. That doesn't sound like fun. That doesn't sound like a great day. But yeah, that's exactly how they were feeling. And what or who was responsible for this? And I want you to hear this because this might be kind of shocking. But the person responsible for them feeling this way was Jesus. What? Whoa, let's kind of hang on here for a second because let's be respectful to Jesus. This is kind of his big day after all. And when we think about Jesus, he's always kind and loving and compassionate. We always picture him holding a lamb and being very gentle with his long, flowing, beautiful hair. He always has something good to say to people. He is always helping. That's Jesus. Not this, not these words, not puzzled, terrified, unsure, sad, or skeptical. Jesus couldn't be responsible for that. That's not Jesus. But yet, when we really peel back the different layers on that first Easter, according to Luke chapter 24, this is what we discover, and this is how the followers of Jesus were feeling. It's true. Why? Why were they feeling this way? Well, the one they loved, the one that they were following, the one that they had given their lives to was dead. He's gone. It's over. The dream is over. You could say it this way. They were in a fog. They were in a deep fog 
and they couldn't see through it. Ever been there? Well, maybe not a physical fog, but just something that makes you feel stuck and unsure and kind of sad. That's the first Easter. No new clothes, not a lot of new colors, no new candy, just the followers of Christ feeling sad and discouraged and they're depressed because Jesus is gone. They couldn't see through the fog. And here's what happened to them, and here's what happens to us when we find ourselves in that kind of situation. And I want us to think through this for a little bit because it happened to them, but this also happens to us in the fog. They lost confidence in God, and they lost it really fast, and the same thing happens to us. In the fog, our vision becomes vague and unclear, and that's kind of obvious. But here's what else happens. In the fog, we begin to wander, and we get lost really fast. So that's what happened to them, but this is also what happens to us when we find ourselves stuck and unsure and sad. When we find ourselves in a fog, We lose a lot of confidence in God and his abilities and what he can do in and through and for us. We just lose that confidence. And our vision gets vague. There's just not a lot of clarity as we step and as we move and as we make life decisions. And we begin to wander. We simply get lost. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to think about some of the fascinating scenes that are found in Luke chapter 24 and just walk our way through the story of that first Easter and how people were feeling discouraged and puzzled and terrified and sad and skeptical. We're going to walk through those different scenes and here's what we're going to discover and this is actually our big idea for today. That is the fog of Easter was removed by the compassionate act of a man named Jesus. That happened many years ago. By the way, this still happens. Jesus is still in the business of doing compassionate work for us and lifting and removing the fog. So the fog of that first Easter was removed by the compassionate act of a man named Jesus. Let's think about that for a little bit. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Luke chapter 24. You can also take your device and scan the QR codes in your program, and that will bring up all of our notes and all of our scripture for today. So Luke chapter 24, this is the last chapter in the book of Luke, and what we find here, what we know, is that Jesus has been killed and his followers are sad. And that's all we really need to know, all right? That's what's happening as we begin chapter 24. Jesus has been killed and his followers are sad. And that kind of takes us into scene number one, which we're going to call puzzled. And that's what we discover here. As a matter of fact, there were some followers of Jesus that made their way to the tomb on that particular morning to give more spices to the body of Jesus, and they get a little puzzled. And here's what it says. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there, what's the word, church? Puzzled. Two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. Now, here's what we tend to do when we read that, or at least here's what I tend to do. I tend to think think, or even say this. Jesus isn't there. 
Well, this is exactly what we anticipated. This is exactly what we thought. He's out walking around. The stone has been rolled away, and now there's two guys or two angels in their brand new dazzling Easter clothes. Right? This is where we get the concept of new Easter clothes, right here from Luke chapter 24. So Jesus isn't there. The stone has been rolled away. You've got these angels in their new Easter clothes. Jesus is gone. Yay. Go, Jesus. You did it. You made it. But there's something that we can't overlook here. There's something that can't be missed. And what can't be missed in Luke chapter 24, and what cannot be overstated enough, is that these close followers of Jesus never really thought that they were going to see him alive again. They just weren't thinking that way. They weren't anticipating that they would ever see him alive again. And that cannot be overstated. And we find this right away in Luke chapter 1. Remember, they're in a fog. They're in a fog. That's what it says. Let's look at this again. Verse number 1. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. There's only one reason that you would be walking to a tomb carrying spices with you in this culture. There's only one reason. There's not multiple reasons. There's only one. And that one reason is you are going to prepare and take care of a dead body. That's the only reason you would be walking to a tomb with spices in this culture. The body of Jesus would have been prepared in the traditional manner after he had died, before he was placed in the tomb. That was according to their customs. And the body of Jesus was taken care of that way, which meant it would have been wrapped in strips of cloth and saturated with spices and with ointments. Scripture tells us that's how they took care of the body of Christ. And so now you find these women coming to bring more spices to the tomb. Did Jesus need more spices? We're not sure. It doesn't really say. What we do know is they thought it was appropriate, and that's what they were going to do. But here's the thing, and I don't want us to forget this. As we think about that very first Easter and the fog of that, we cannot overlook the fact that they were going to the tomb to take care of a dead body, not to see a living one. That's what they were doing. That's why it says in verse 3, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there, puzzled. Right there, there. We've got our spices. Where's the body? Where's the body? They're in a fog. And they're puzzled. In my mind, I'm thinking this. Didn't Jesus say over and over again that this was going to happen? That I will come and I will live and people will turn against me, and I will be killed, and this is all on purpose, so that I can pay the price for the sins of the world, but I'm coming back. I will rise again. And the answer to that is yes. Jesus told his close followers again and again that this would happen, but they are in a fog. They are absolutely puzzled, and they're not anticipating that they would ever see Jesus alive again. You can kind of picture this, can't you? I mean, just imagine with me for a moment. You've got the women, and they get up on that Sunday morning, and they get their spices and their stuff together, and 
they're sad and they're puzzled and they're making their way out of the home, you'd like to think somebody in the house would say, hey, it's kind of early. Where are you guys going? Ah, well, we're going to the tomb. We have more spices to take and this is what we're doing. And you'd like to think that that person would have said, you know, you might want to hold off on that because he might make a comeback. I mean, he kind of said he would do this. Let's give him a few hours and let's just see what happens. I wouldn't be so quick to rush off. Yeah, that conversation never took place. It just never happened. Because when you walk through the narrative, what you understand and what you observe and what is clear is that they never anticipated that Jesus was going to come back to life. They're puzzled. And that's scene number one. Here's scene number two. It's a couple of lonely, sad walkers. So what happens after the women go to the tomb and they're puzzled and they can't quite figure it out and they see that the stone has been rolled away and there's the guys in their new Easter clothes and Jesus isn't there. And again, they're just confused by all of that. The scene kind of shifts a little bit and we find two followers, two fans of Jesus. They're walking on a road back to their hometown. They had been in Jerusalem where all of the activity had taken place. And they're sad, they're disappointed, it's over, Jesus is gone, he's killed. So they're making their way back home. And what Luke 24 tells us is that Jesus, the living Jesus, appears to them on the road and begins to walk with them. But they don't understand, they don't see that it's Jesus. And so Jesus asks a very funny question in Luke chapter 24. Here's the question. He looks at these sad followers and he says, Hey, there's a lot of noise going on in Jerusalem. What's been happening there recently? The followers are like, seriously? Like, you haven't heard the news? You don't know what's been happening in Jerusalem? What rock have you been hiding under? To which Jesus could have responded, well, actually, I've been behind kind of a big rock for the past few days, paying for the sins of the world, doing that whole thing, but what have you been up to? But of course, Jesus isn't quite that sarcastic, and so they just began to talk, and they shared with Jesus without knowing it was him, That this man they loved, the one who spoke truth like they'd never heard it before, was dead and gone and the dream is over and we're returning to our home. There's nothing more to do. So Jesus walks with them and he goes into their home and they begin to eat. And here's what verse 31 tells us. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Like, that's Jesus. That's him. He's here. He's actually alive. And then Luke tells us that Jesus disappears. So now these lonely, sad walkers are energized because they have seen Jesus in the flesh. He is alive. He is back. And so they return to Jerusalem, and they get with the larger group of disciples. And this is where it gets kind of fun. So here's scene number three. It's the frightened group. Check this out. Verse 35. Then the two from Emmaus, that's the road, this is the couple, told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled 
and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. But why are you frightened? He asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Remember, they're a bit skeptical about all of this. So Jesus says, look at my hands, look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief. This is a frightened group, even though Jesus is right there with them. And so as a way to kind of break the ice with them, because it's not every day that this group saw a dead person who was back to life, Jesus begins to ask a question, and this takes us into scene number four. And this is absolutely fantastic. I think this is the best question ever. So keep in mind, this is a frightened group. They're skeptical. They're unsure about all this. So here's what we discover in verse 41. Then Jesus asked them, Hey, do you have anything here to eat? Oh, it's been a rough couple of days for me, and I am really hungry. And so they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. That's great, isn't it? Best question ever. See, food helps everybody relax, and that's what began to happen here. Now, watch this. We're going to move into the final scene. It's scene number five, where the fog is now removed. So let's keep in mind the journey we've been on with these followers. They're puzzled and terrified. They're unsure, they're sad, they're skeptical. Now the fog is beginning to lift. Here's verse 50. Then Jesus, after the great meal, and after they began to get reacquainted, he led them to Bethany, which is another small town outside of Jerusalem. And lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him. You see that word worshipped there in verse 52? Do you see that? It actually comes from the Greek word proskuneo. And this is where we get the English word prostrate, which has the idea of getting low before someone or something. And so the picture we get here is after they've had this wonderful meal with Jesus, after they get reacquainted, they now give reverence to him. They get it. They understand. Their eyes have been opened. They know that it's him. And so they respect and they give reverence. They prostrate themselves before him. They get low and they worship. And then it says this. Then they return to Jerusalem filled with great joy. Do you see that word great? That word actually means large or mega. And so we could say it this way. These followers returned to Jerusalem filled with being puzzled. Not the case. These followers of Jesus returned to Jerusalem sad. Now Jesus is in heaven. He's gone. Not the case. These followers of Jesus returned to Jerusalem and they're still really skeptical about everything that's happened. Not the case. It's quite the opposite, actually. What we discover here is that they returned to Jerusalem and they were filled with mega joy. In other words, the fog is gone. The fog has been removed. The fog is lifted all because of the compassionate act of a man named Jesus. And that's how the book of Luke ends. It ends right there. So what does this mean for us? 
Well, on this Easter, I want to share two takeaways with you. Number one, Jesus changes everything. He does. And so the question is, have you trusted in him? Wait, when Jesus appears, he just changes everything. And have you trusted in him? Have you trusted in him as your only hope of getting to heaven? See, Jesus came to pay more than just a visit to earth. He came to pay the price for our sins. And when we trust in him alone, when we embrace his leadership and forgiveness and don't add anything to that, we now have a forever friend who will walk with us through everything that we face in life, everything that we experience. That's what he does. Try life with Jesus. Try life with him. This is the message. This is the story of Easter. Have you trusted in him? Secondly, if you have trusted, I want you to think about this. Time with Jesus results in joy. It just does. Time with Jesus results in joy, even large or mega joy. And this isn't the fake, hey, everything is going fine, even though the world is falling apart around me kind of joy. This is the kind of joy that rides above all of the circumstances in our lives because we have deep trust in a compassionate Jesus who has done something incredible for us. It's that kind of joy that actually then leads to respect, reverence, worship, and even though everything in my life not be, might not be all rainbows and bunnies and sweet candy, I can still have this amazing joy in my life because of what Jesus has done for me. So time with Jesus results in joy. Is that the current reality of your life? So as you think about today, enjoy the food. Even Jesus himself enjoyed food, which is a wonderful thing. So enjoy that, enjoy new colors, new clothes, new whatever, enjoy family and friends. But in the middle of all of this, let's not forget to respect and to give reverence to the one who has done something for us that we never could have done on our own. Let your worship, let your reverence bring true joy no matter how you're feeling. The fog during that first Easter, it was removed. They changed from being puzzled and terrified and unsure and sad and skeptical to having mega joy in their lives, all because of the compassionate work of a man named Jesus. So here's the question for all of us. How will you respond to his compassionate work? Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.